0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top
1: Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Lightning! oh no
2: oh yeah
1: i finished these fights Give
2: me a Hell yeah! top
1: rope nation learn to love it it's the best thing going today. summer is in full swing new japan has the g1 on the horizon aew is ramping up we got uh their tickets for all out going on sale tomorrow And WWE is, well, we'll get to that here in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Top Rope Nation, episode 102. I'm Ryan Drosty, your host, joined by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint to break down all things pro wrestling like only we can do. And uh, Kyle, you've been out of the loop for the last week. Crash course on pro wrestling over the uh, last few hours to get back in the swing of things. Tell us about your week. What's going on in your life these days? Oh... Just came back from a nice trip in uh, Michigan.
0: Uh, going on a vacation with my wife sometimes is not unlike the Trail of Tears, only with a camera, but uh, <laughs> and the forced relocation, of course. And, but uh, you know, it was a really fun time. We, we found a, we found a lot of uh, kind of hidden gems in the Grand Rapids area. If, you're, if any of our listeners are in Grand Rapids, I got recommendations, Matt.
1: Oh yeah, Founders yeah, got, Brewing, of course. Yeah,
0: if you got kids, or if you just want breweries too, we we hit the best of both worlds. My my twenty uh, two ish month old daughter has been to about ten breweries in the last five days. So <laughs>
1: hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No, break her in early, get her ready to yeah take some trips with mom and dad, and sit there while they indulge themselves in yeah. some adult beverages. And I never thought I would ever
0: say this, but like I really do appreciate the ones that are more accommodating. You yeah. know, that actually like have high chairs and, you know, actually, you know, are, aren't like frowning when you bring a child in. Although I, I can understand if I didn't have a child, I'd probably be like, what are you fucking doing?
1: I actually went to a brewery here in town the other day. I saw on, uh, I think Facebook that they had tapped a new beer I'd never had. So me and my wife put the two kids in the car and went there just to try the beer with both kids and then left. So. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do man yeah small plate and uh and one beer and you're kind of in and out man that's the way it goes i I did just check yes we do have listeners in michigan i was checking as you saw me reaching out my computer i was checking our uh, statistics so hello out there in michigan kyle was among you this week but he's back in ohio glad to have kyle on the program justin joint uh one eye on the nba finals tonight as we record what else is going on in your life justin
2: uh, supposed to go to a family reunion this weekend and naturally we got a call from daycare that the kid threw up and so the wife's been taking care of him all day and now we're kind of in limbo waiting to find out what we're going to do tomorrow.
1: So we shouldn't panic if uh here on Patreon as we're live streaming video tonight, we uh see you like jump up and you're, you got a kid and it's like that scene from Team America World Police where there's just like vomit spraying <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Yes. I, won't, I won't panic if I see that. I'll just know. That's what's going I, on at the joint I just, I just can't believe they're
0: showing Monday Night Raw at daycare these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into that, guys. Speaking of a sickness, yeah, let's try to diagnose what's wrong with WWE these days. We'll get to that here in, in just a, a second.
0: And you guys said that you want to cap this at a 60-minute podcast? Yeah, we're going to try.
1: Okay. we try
2: it.
1: um so with that being said guys uh again i think i said this last week it's no longer itunes so let me say if you're listening on apple podcast hit subscribe leave us a review leave us that five star rating we'd greatly appreciate it same thing stitcher radio leave us a review on there we don't have too many on stitcher so if you're listening there we'd appreciate the five star we're also on spotify tune in google play Um, wherever podcasts are found, nation.com, you can find our merchandise links. We got all kinds of uh t-shirts. We got mugs, we've got pins, whatever you need to support the show. I just sent out a couple days ago some t-shirts to uh I sent Kyle one. I sent uh two of our new patrons of the show, their free t-shirts, which by the way, I gotta mention that. Uh, if you sign up for our Patreon page before the end of June, so June 30th, we'll send you a free top rope nation t-shirt courtesy of pro wrestling tees in the mail and uh no strings attached you know you want to just try it out for a month see if you like our patreon page you get exclusive access to our live feed as we record each and every thursday night get the exclusive video feed that is never posted to the uh general public so that is a is a bonus there we also post our show notes So what i'm looking at on my ipad right now you can see what we use as we record get a little behind the scenes access and then of course The exclusive show, so Top Rope Nation Classics, which we just recorded about a week and a half ago, a review of Bash at the Beach 96, 90 minutes on that, a great show. The only way you can hear that is on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. You join the $5 a month tier to get exclusive access uh, to those shows like Top Rope Nation Classics, Top Rope Nation Extra, and uh, on Top Rope Nation Extra, we'll be reviewing uh, each and every WWE pay-per-view, AEW pay-per-view every month, exclusive to Patreon. Five bucks a month. You get the free shirt. You get the free sticker. Try it out. See if a like if you like it. And I got to give a shout out. We got a brand new patron the other day, Gabe C. Gabe, thanks for joining up there on patreon.com slash top rope nation. Greatly appreciate it. We'll get that shirt out to you in the mail and the sticker very soon. So uh wwe wise guys as we went to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight it was it was a little bit of a chore coming up with an agenda because usually we are pretty heavy on wwe i guess you wouldn't know that from the last couple of weeks we've been kind of trying to keep our distance but we got a pay-per-view on the horizon we got to talk some wwe and what a mess it has been it is very difficult to be motivated to watch wwe television these days and um you know, we're six months out. I think, Kyle, I'm going to let you talk about this. But there was a there was a tweet we were looking at, which was a video clip from Raw about well, six months ago. Yeah, I
0: was going to say the video clip. I, I guess, you know, it's not just a tweet. It was a, a big deal they made on Raw. Uh, yeah. segment six months ago.
1: With- yeah, you link to the tweet. It's the video clip from Raw. We had all, f- well, we had all the McMahons in the ring that night. And uh, Kyle, what was the general message to the WWE viewing audience that night? Well, I think a lot of people remember it. It was
0: Shane, Vince, Stephanie, and Hunter all in the ring basically apologizing (laughs) for the previous uh, couple weeks, months of WWE programming and saying they promised to be better. You know, they heard the fans and they're going to be better. Um, (laughs) Fail. Six months removed from that, uh, I think you can make a pretty clear argument that not only is the product not changed for the better, it's universally being hailed as worse. And that's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, the Build the Mania, okay, they threw the fans somewhat of a bone, right? In that they go with Seth, Kofi, and Becky. We talked about this a lot, particularly the latter two, not originally scheduled for those spots. You know, I wonder about this because we talked about this a lot. And you can go back in our archives, listen to the previous shows, hear about this. They focus so much on manipulating the audience on a week-to-week basis on that road to WrestleMania. I think they forgot to think about any follow-up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Because the week after that superstar shakeup, I said... What are the big matches this promotion is going to build to? What are your SummerSlam main events? You know, what's the big picture in the World Wrestling Federation? And my God, I I think the answer is they don't have one. Mm -mm. And it has become so obvious. And more than anything, I think. That plagues WWE. Because you hear about this. Batista just gave an interview talking about this. Uh, the Moxley interviews. Make this readily apparent. They're so focused on the week to week. And there's so many changes. That just don't matter in the big picture. That they've. Forsaken the forest. For these meaningless trees. To use an old analogy. And it's quite depressing really. Because it you, you said it. It's not fun. To watch WWE television anymore and there's five hours of first run television a week
1: (laughs) it's quite the time commitment especially if you're a new fan you know to get into it and to follow this especially when on the television shows it feels like nothing's really happening of consequence that's the big problem like there's nothing can't miss you get good matches here and there like there was a good six man i thought on raw this week you know but overall if you don't watch it, you don't really miss out on anything. And there's good individual performances too. You'll saw like, Oh, I really enjoyed what this
0: person did this week. And that's true. You know, I, we're all in agreement here. There's a lot of talent on this roster, but none of it matters. Big picture. Like if you miss something like six months from, you know, the worst thing I think that could have happened to pro wrestling is remember all those articles that when it, you know, first really started getting popular, uh, 20 years ago, and like Rolling Stone, uh, Austin was on the cover. You got a lot of articles, TV Guide gave him the cover. When they started referring to it as a male soap opera, oh, it's like a soap opera, but for men. I think that was the worst, not the worst, but it was such a terrible thing because in many ways, it is like a male soap opera. Like we're all married, right? I don't know if your guys' wives watch soap operas. Mine actually doesn't, but we've all been in relationships probably with women who have, right? And if you ever, like, watch these soap operas, like, you can almost, like, like you can watch it once, and it's like, this is stupid. And then, like, six months later, maybe you see it again, you're like, these people are doing the same shit the last time I watched this six months ago? I feel that's what WWE's become. Oh, yeah. It's just a bunch of people doing the same shit for six months with no forward
1: advancement. Mm-hmm. Justin you've been uh, pretty vocal on the program about being on a kind of uh, self-induced WWE boycott. So explain to our listeners what uh, what brought that about and uh, are you even close to jumping back into watching Raw or Smackdown live because I know you I know you do keep up with the product and everything but you you try to avoid it on television these days.
2: Yeah, I just I got to a point where I was just miserable watching it and I realized I was falling behind on all sorts of other stuff, you know, I, would like to watch or read. And so I just, in, just decided to stop watching until I thought, you know, if I heard it was good again, or if they're making advancements or making changes or shaking things up. Um, but you know, I still read, uh, the synopsis of round SmackDown. I still read reviews. If I do hear about a really good match, I'll go back and watch it. Um, I've watched all the, uh, Firefly fun houses, but it's, it's five hours of time that I'm not willing to commit to bad television. Instead, Mm -hmm. I spent, I spent my Monday and Tuesday, you know, with Deadwood and Big Little Lies and, you know, Fleabag, fantastic show. Um, so I'd just rather do that. I I don't, I don't, I don't have enough free time to spend five hours being miserable.
1: Yeah. You know, there's just so much competition for eyeballs these days. We, we talk about it in our text threads all the time. There's so much great television. You just got into that. And uh, you're talking about hours and hours of programming there, too. We're not talking about a movie here or there. But we're talking about all these great television series that are out there that everyone wants to watch, whether it's. Netflix or HBO Go or Amazon Prime or Hulu like there's so much vying for your attention what's going to draw you in to watch 3 hours of Raw and Smackdown when you can watch one of these award-winning series every every week
2: you know and that's that's what's amazing because Vince has said that they're not competing against other wrestling promotions they're competing against all other content and, and they're just putting out some of the worst content there is right now. <laughs> They're
1: failing badly, <laughs> yeah, if that's yeah, the case, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I will say that. that is such a key point that just to make, because we're not having this conversation if Raw and SmackDown are good. Obviously. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, by design, because it's, you know, five hours. Yes, okay, well, you know, you always get the well, five hours of TV is really tough. Well, then you shouldn't have five hours. Mm-hmm. And by the way, do we think that... The, the TV will benefit when SmackDown goes back to Friday. Like, is it bad to have the show's back-to-back
2: days? I want to say it certainly doesn't help. But, you know, there for a long time, it was that second show, the SmackDown, that was consistently the most entertaining one, you know, for for what, a a solid year at least? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it'll help them or not, but I mean they're they're definitely in trouble. I, you look at these television ratings now. I know all of TV's down. Raw didn't do well this week, but yeah. I think they were still like seventh on cable or something like that. And SmackDown was actually number one
0: on Tuesday, despite the fact that it was down worse than Raw. Yeah, was interesting.
1: But but if you break it down further, there are problems, and it comes about in the uh, age groups that are watching the show. I mean. Pro wrestling is not popular among teenagers right now. This is a massive, massive problem for them because obviously as as those kids get older and the older audience goes away, where's where's their core audience going to be? And um, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show or if we were talking off air before, but I'll say it again if, if it wasn't on the show. Uh, you know, I teach school during the school year. I'm around teenagers all the time. I never hear kids talk about pro wrestling ever like i could count on one hand the amount of times i've heard wrestling references in the last five years like they just they're just not interested and uh you know i've i've talked about this with other people and i've had people try to contrast what i'm saying with well you know it's because wrestling's fake and this generation's like way more interested in mma and stuff and it's like that is not the reason because there was always real sports and competition like people watch boxing. Everyone knew wrestling was fake in the 90s and the 80s, but it was still massively popular. If, if you produce a good product, people will watch. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that it's, it's pre-rehearsed yeah. or anything like that. I mean, uh, you know, there was always competition. There was Ali, there was Tyson, but pro wrestling was still doing good uh, d- during those eras. And I feel kind of like wrestling is skipping a generation. Whereas if you look at when we were growing up, we had that boom period in the 80s. We had the boom period in the nineties. And like kids born since the late nineties have never experienced a pro wrestling boom period and they don't know what that's like. And they're just they're just completely checked out. And that is, I think, a huge, huge problem WWE is gonna have to overcome. We talk about the lapsed fans with AEW and them trying to get them back from the nineties. That's an older crowd. That's that's a admirable goal for them. But I think the big challenge Is pulling in the teenagers that, and even the twenty somethings that are just not at all interested in wrestling. Great rant
0: on someone who is just so concerned with the you know the plight of America's youth on a daily basis. I really (laughs) it's it's true. I'd
1: love I'd love to talk to the kids about wrestling, but nobody is interested.
0: They're not. It's it's startling. (laughs) So this wasn't. I remember the conversation you're referring to, and it was an off air conversation. So, and I remember you opened my eyes because. We were talking about an article, I think it was a Bix and Spin article on on Deadspin, where, you know, WWE, there's this illusion, and in some regards it is big, but there's this illusion that WWE is doing well, right? You know, they're getting this huge deal from Fox, and they're moving to network TV this fall. Like, you would think, just based solely on that, that they're doing very well right now. But anyone who follows the product knows the product stinks, there's a lot of key metrics that are down. So no, this isn't any kind of boom period, you know, and I think, um, WWE, the one area they have done a good job in, but I I think it's maybe coming to cost and we'll talk about this is like sort of their corporate friendliness, you know, like they do have a section on ESPN.com, which was not the case in the attitude era. Mm -hmm. Okay. now ESPN.com did not exist in the 1980s, obviously. So we can't compare it to that, but so I think there are, like, these things people where people are like, oh, WWE's doing really well. But it really isn't, obviously, as we know. And you brought up the point that, like, you know, 10 years ago, okay, would any of the three of us think 2009 WWE is great? Like, did, do any of us look fondly back at that period?
2: I wasn't watching. <laughs> okay, well,
0: there you go. Okay, yeah. no, no, no one else. But to your point, Ryan, what you just talked about, I remember I threw out 2009 example. And you said, oh, your students back then were talking John Cena. They were talking Randy Orton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now you're saying the students, they're not talking about no, not talking about anybody. Part no, of I mean, if, if
1: anyone's name comes up, it's John Cena. And usually, you know, it might be re- in regarding to a movie. It might be that that prank call that everyone still gives play, you know, with the John Cena theme song playing. I've, okay. I've heard him like play that before and stuff. But, you know, someone might make like a John Cena reference here or there just cuz he he is kind of a household name at this point. But like mm-hmm. no, I've never heard anyone talk about Randy or Randy Orton even these days or Roman Reigns or you know any of the stars today. AJ Styles, n- well, none of that at all. Cuz
0: you can argue that there are no stars today.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> we're going to get into that too cuz that is a could be a, a a good discussion point later on that we've got on our agenda here. But uh yeah, just I do really feel pretty strongly they've skipped a generation and this is going to be a problem for years and years to come. How do you how do you draw them in because there's so much competition, probably more so than ever before because you think about when wrestling was so popular, you could only watch what was on TV at the time. There was no on demand, there was no streaming, there was no YouTube. So like there there wasn't a ton i i mean at that time what do we have maybe 70 cable channels in the late 90s ish around there and so like yeah there's monday night football and stuff and there might be a few good shows on but there wasn't like dozens and dozens of award winning shows that you could play at your fingertips and that's the big problem right now you know so as we get into the problems here why what's the what's the major if we think about the major cause of what's wrong with wwe tv right now the the big big problem why does it suck so badly okay first of all do we agree that like the tv
0: is the main i mean it starts with the tv right i should say that It, it all starts with the tv right it's just it's just bad like you said meaningless it's five hours of meaningless television per week which wears on an audience and here's the key we talk about this aew show that we did double or nothing, everyone, people went in wanting to like that show, WWE, a big problem they have is everyone, like, even if it is good on an occasional week, people just think the product sucks mm-hmm. and, and and
1: they can't get over that right now because generally speaking, the product isn't very good. Yeah. So how do we fix this? And, you know, we're talking about television is the main issue. Nothing means anything. Uh, it's just it feels like you're a hamster running on a wheel every week. You just watch and you watch, and nothing of consequence happens. Um, like where do you start? <laughs> how, how do you fix this? We're on the writing team, or we're one of the big wigs big uh, big wigs behind the the scenes here in WWE. Like, what changes would we make right off the bat? Any thoughts here?
2: I mean, it's first, it's all the obvious stuff. Um, it, it's. Vince McMahon's got to go away. They've got to change their creative. They've got to make it possible for wrestlers to have more input. Um, they've got to make it possible to have long term storytelling. Uh, they need to stop with all the uh, BS uh, champions losing in non title matches, 50 uh, 50 booking. Everything is just shades of gray. Barely know who are heels and who are baby faces uh, because they're flip flopping every month. I. And they need, and frankly, the, I was always for the brand split. There was a way to make that work. If they did, if they set an actual creative side to one and a completely different set to the other. And then then made the shows completely different. And I mean, completely different. You know how like in, uh, in WWE camera side, everybody comes in on the left hell for SmackDown, have it everybody come in on the right, set up on the other side of the, the arena. Um, but frankly, with the wild card rule, there is no brand split anymore. And at this point they just as well scrap it. And we're back to square one.
1: Do you guys remember when they had the uh, ECW program that they were producing in the mid two thousands, they did actually kind of change the look like they had, right. they switched the camera. So it was straight on from the entrance way. Right. And they, they actually did give the show a different right. look to make it kind of seem like it was authentic ECW back in the day. I think those are all right. great points. And I think they kind of did that a little bit with SmackDown. Like they had different camera angles, When they started the brand split, but they've just completely given up on all that. Raw and SmackDown look identical now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was all like, oh, look at this, and it's like, but it's like the most like
1: trivial difference. Like,
0: look, we're gonna give you a different camera angle on this show, and I mean that is like something like, but like you know the shows look exactly the same, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that you know you have Raw draped on one, SmackDown the other,
1: the pay per views all look the same, the stage is exactly the same, except for different things on the screen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, I agree basically with everything Justin said. Um, the brand extension, here's, you know, a, a line I've used on this show many times the last two months, better in theory than in practice. We hear all these rule, uh, reasons why there should be a brand extension and they're not bad reasons, but they never work. Oh, well, you know, this will give more talent, the opportunity to shine. That's never happened. Mm-hmm and and not just this brand extension folks remember they did this once before and it failed it failed like it was like you know and they they went to a soft brand extension very much like they're doing now with this wildcard rule uh i think the timeline we we talked about this before i think it was like five after five years they started doing that they're way ahead of that timeline now and it's funny because this whole wild card rule came out because the networks. Raw was pissed, or USA was pissed, that Roman Reigns wasn't going to be on anymore. And, you know, we were going back and forth in this text. The wild card rule is basically a silly reaction to something that we're all clamoring for, which is there should be a roving champion. Like, basically, it's just like, well, it's not a wild card rule. It's just like, well, how can we find a way to get the stars on both shows? Well, the easiest way is to have roving champions. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys have brought that up.
1: Yeah, um, we talked about it right from the beginning. Right, we started the show right when the brand split started, and I think one of the first episodes we did, we talked about that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I mean, I think you know, you talk about what can we think of? I, I think this is a simple one. Re- the, the championship situation needs to be restructured. You have one world champion. I've brought this up before. You know what lapsed fans ask a lot. My buddies ask a lot when, like, they come over to watch wrestling if they're just over and I'm watching it and they they just want to join. Who's the champion? And when you and, and I I've said this so many times. When you tell them ah, there's this there's a raw champion. There's, they just they look at you like what. Yeah, they're, they're, they look at it like that's dumb. They don't. And then you're like, oh, well, in the 80s, they had two touring brands. And, you know, that was very successful. They don't give a fuck about that.
1: No, it's like from a- the beginning of time. Who's the world champion? There's yes. one world champion. One. And,
0: and, and, and that theoretically should create a star because that's your world champion. Yeah. You know, um, so, so that's and they should have one women's champion. OK, it was a great way to make Becky Lynch seem special. They already pissed away that. They should be one men's tag team. I mean, the idea, come on, let's be honest here. Two tag team champions, stop it. Yeah. And then, you know, they have the one women's tag team championship, but that belt is about as special as, you know, this freaking rock sitting on my desk right now, holding my computer together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, long-term booking-wise, too, one of the big problems with this, because we are talking about there's not long-term booking, it seems to me the only long-term booking going on revolves around the McMahon family. This is another huge, just get them off of TV. Is there anyone out there that like looks forward to seeing Stephanie and Shane on television? Like anyone at all? Why is Shane McMahon taking up so much television time? Why is there this rumor out there that Shane McMahon could become WWE champion? My god, does anybody want to see that? I mean, I I don't care how you spin it. I saw people on Twitter today like, "Oh, I could be convinced. It could be a good thing if he No, there's no circumstance at all where Shane McMahon winning the World Championship is a good idea. I don't care what you say. So Get just get them off a of television. I don't know what the obsession is of always making this about the McMahon family and the authority angles. It's just so overblown. That is a, that is another big problem, I think. No long-term booking, and the only long-term booking that there is seems to revolve around Shane McMahon, and that's about it. Goes back 20 years. Mm-hmm.
0: I I raised a stink and nobody wanted to here at the time because WWTV was still pretty good. Uh, still actually really good. It was one of their best periods. Um, you know, you're getting a lot of pay- bangers on pay-per-view. When the decision was made at WrestleMania 2000 to build that main event around a McMahon in every corner instead of the performers, that set us down a primrose path. Yeah, because all of a sudden, go back and watch, do your history. That that match and the promotion of it is what led to the McMahons and look, it's their fucking promotion. So I guess you can do whatever you want with it, but they became the stars. They were bigger than the wrestlers themselves. And that is a, and, and I'm sorry, I disagree with that, uh,
1: that concept. You know is, why, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. No, No, that was it. That was it. You know why it worked 20 years ago? And I don't know if they think like for some reason, this is going to make the product hot again because it did at the time. Well, it was number one because of Steve Austin and number two, because at the time it was like a new thing, like this transition. Vince went from being an announcer. We're growing up a kid. Nobody knew that Vince McMahon owned the promotion. Like when you guys were kids, you didn't know that. You thought Vince McMahon was just an announcer. Now, I, I know people that were plugged in and stuff and older than us probably knew. But for a long time, like I just knew Vince McMahon as the announcer, and when then all of a sudden Vince McMahon, the announcer that you grew up with, is getting involved in storylines, and then he's getting shoved, and he's getting the stunner on Raw in the fall of '97. Like it was so crazy because he was just an announcer. Like I said, he was out of all of this for all those years. But now, like he's been on television. Stephanie's been on television. Shane's been on television constantly for twenty years, and there's nothing special about. It. There's no novelty. About it, it was like a novelty thing back then, and it's just it's not relevant anymore.
0: I think it's unrealistic to expect them to disappear from TV completely. Um, and I, but think they should, don't you think? They should, <laughs> for the not most be. part. Okay, so I'm gonna. I mean, we'll get into my outside the box idea, and, and it actually does feature them um, because I feel if you're on the creative process and you're not placating to their egos, you're probably not long for that job anyway. And I try to take a realistic approach. But um, the, the, the issue is everyone knows they kind of run the show. And what's interesting is when they're not on, like it, back to this brand extension the, the, in its current iteration, you know, who's running these shows right now? You know, it just seems like random things are happening and they just put a random McMahon on. Mm-hmm. Like, did I miss something? Raw has no GM. SmackDown's, I mean... Shane, I guess, is still the Smackdown, is still in charge of SmackDown, but he appears on Raw regularly. So I don't think he's blue through and through anymore. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, someone had a good tweet the other day where they had all these big stars in WWE great performers that haven't been on television or wrestled in like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then you look at like how much television time Shane McMahon has got during that same time period, and it's just like jaw dropping, just mind boggling they do this. So I was going to save, I mean, because we're going to do our stomping ground preview next week, and I was going to save my
0: Shane McMahon thoughts for then. But, yeah, I mean, it's him beating Ro- – I, I don't care what you think about Roman Reigns, and I'm not even talking to you guys, I'm talking about anyone listening to this podcast. That is so unacceptable. If Ro- like, If Roman Reigns is to be your top guy, to have him lose, I don't care how BS it is. It's unacceptable, especially when the guy's struggling in that spot. Because mm-hmm. of other poor ways you booked him. It, like, look at how they booked the following four people in the last two and a half months. Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Miz, Shane McMahon. Miz Shane has basically won his feud with Miz, although Miz is trying to get this match back, right? Okay. Roman beat Drew McIntyre in a blah match, which kind of really hurt Drew and, you know, put him at a certain level, right? So Roman's beating Drew, but he loses to Shane. So you have n- you have now hurt The Miz, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre, three people who should be cornerstones of your product to get over Shane McMahon. And he's, yeah, okay, we know he's going to put somebody over at some point, but like, is it all worth it? Because- no,
1: who cares? Like the- Shane McMahon putting someone over means nothing, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. like in the grand scheme of things.
0: And here's the thing, too. Here's the thing, too. Elias. Elias. Okay, I don't think it's a main event gimmick. But he's over, right? Mm-hmm. He did at Money in the Bank a what? Minute job to
1: Roman Reigns? Yet Shane McMahon beats him. Yeah. No, uh, no long term direction here, Kyle. They weren't thinking about that at the yeah. time because so, so, <laughs> they so, didn't know what they were doing two weeks from now. That, yeah. that
0: was the long fit, first thing Justin said: long term booking. Yeah. If I'm on the creative team, I'm like, look, man. Okay, we got the big four. Our job, after the dust is kind of settled from the last one, is we've got to put together not fucking next week's raw. Okay, that those there's so many guys on this roster you can throw. Give these guys a chance. You you can do a raw instead of just like just zoning in on these dumb scripted promos. No one remembers. You need to focus on what is our SummerSlam main event going to be. And a decision needs to be made and it needs to be stuck to. Now, sometimes things will happen and you do change an injury. Somebody gets hot out of nowhere. Okay. Maybe you modify, but I always say this what I love watching about older like 80s WWF is my god you can see the confidence in the booking they knew where they wanted to go and they went there and I know you it's not apples to apples anymore because the television's so different um you know some of some somewhat everything was pre-taped back then it's all live now but it's coming up with a long-term decision and sticking to it that is the first thing that needs to be done in the creative
1: process. Okay. In my opinion. All right. So consolidating the titles, the long-term storyline direction, I would say practically getting rid of the scripted promos too. I think that's been an issue for a long time. You give guys talking points, but I mean, what did they have dusty roads down there for years, teaching promo class for if they get up to the main roster and, and all it's going to be is just read the script. Yes, I agree.
0: And if you can't cut a scripted promo, I got news for you. Find another line of work. You know, Moxley talked about that in his promo. He, he couldn't be more correct. Yeah. Or in his interview with, um, I couldn't remember if it was with Keller or with Jericho. But he said that, like, to me. And, you know, there's this worry. Oh, they might say something terrible and I'll hurt a sponsor. Well, then you're fucking fired. Yeah. Okay, if you do what I just did and swore on TV, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're gone. Okay, Let's think. Okay, you know, if, if you swear without permission, you're gone. Yeah. Or, or you're, like, suspended. You're removed off television it's that simple like and that frees people up to think about long-term things rather than you know oh are we gonna say suffering succotash or pooper scooper who the fuck cares about that
1: <laughs> how many hours are spent <laughs> backstage talking about this inconsequential stuff um justin still wake over there <laughs> i'm still here <laughs> let's, let's pull justin in this conversation so uh what do you have to add on, on solutions here? What would you like to see them do that we haven't discussed yet? Anything?
2: I mean, no, I already kind of gave you my two cents on the whole thing. I I think we're seeing the same 10 to 15 guys every show because of the wild card rule when we've talked about it before. This is one of the deepest rosters ever. And I find it very, and this is real. I think this, this says to me, It's all signs point to creative deepest roster ever. I, 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 find it hard to believe that they couldn't tell interesting or good stories with the talent they have in that mid to lower roster. Those are all guys or not all, but some have been guys that have been top guys in other promotions that have proven themselves before in WWE and they don't do anything interesting with them. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of like what you guys already talked about. It's because they're overly scripted and they have no direction. I mean, look, EC3. I mean, what a waste.
0: Right. Exactly. For the uh, and for the silliest reason, too, because he was put into a horrible situation opposite Dean Ambrose. And he first of all, I never understood why you see through was supposed to be a babyface top one percent. I mean, do you have like you're not paying attention to 2019 politics? I mean,
2: I think that tells us a lot about fans. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, exactly. But you know, and, and what's worse, to building off Justin's point, is some of these guys. It's not even not that it's not just that they're being used poorly. It's a, they're not being used at all. Some mm-hmm. of these people, they're I mean, they're collecting dust and catering. Some of these guys. You know what? A big. You know, WCW was obviously not a well-run organization for basically all of its existence. But you know what? When I you go back and watch some old WCW times, a charm of it is they were so clueless at times, and this was especially true in like the Nitro era when things were going downhill. I mean, it's hell. It's how Chris Jericho got over it in the first place. They would just send guy these lower card guys out there, be like, "Guys, fill up time and do whatever the hell you want." Because we're, you know, Hogan and Nash won't do a job tonight, and I have to placate. I have to spend all the time placating their egos. So Jericho, you, you get ten minutes, cut a promo. I, I don't know, say whatever you want,
2: and he got himself over doing that. I mean, I've, isn't that so, how every base magic moment or or superstar has been born in wrestling? Is just because they've said something random or done something random that the crowd latches onto, and that doesn't happen anymore because you know they're they're being uh handcuffed i I keep keep using this same phrasing over and over again that's
1: exactly right i mean the biggest boom period they had steve austin that was basically an accident you know like uh, triple h was going to win the king of the ring that year austin wins because triple h is being punished for the click thing at msg he utters the austin 316 line boom austin becomes one of the biggest stars in wrestling history i mean that yeah that couldn't uh that couldn't happen these days. It doesn't seem like anyways. Yeah, And when when you do get something organic
0: over or organically over when it, like oh, Rusev day, for instance. All right. You can argue maybe they never even went with it, which is an argument I'll listen to. But like, you know, when they put their claws into something that gets organically over, they like they just ruin it, you know, because it's like, well, we've got to OK, you got this over. But now, you know, let's. You know, we're gonna put our fingerprints on what you did. No, keep your fingers away from it.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> stop <know>. fingering everybody. <laughs>
0: yeah, stop fingering everybody. Yeah. John Cena's already got a boner half the time during this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're gonna talk
1: about John Cena in just yep. one second, but <laughs> uh, there's something that goes along with that. But Kyle, I want you to get into your uh your your idea because I, I agree, it's in our show notes here. I agree with this idea, I think it's a good one. Uh, uh, but kind of your uh your plan to fix things here, the final point.
0: Well, I just wanted to go back to one last thing with just what Justin said about guys not being used and it's being the same guys on television. He's completely right, and it's also completely unacceptable. With all these guys on TV, like, just, like, if I was somebody in creative and you would hope that some of these underused guys are bitching, because if they're not bitching, that actually is disappointing for me. Um, but if they are bitching, I'd be like, all right, you two, you guys think you're so good and I should be using you and I'm raw, you know, or whatever. You know, I mean, hopefully the people in creative are like, yeah, man, I you know, I feel for you. But let's just say it's a combative situation, okay? Be like, why don't you go out there, you two, and prove it to me. Here's a blank canvas. We got this three-hour program. I got 10 minutes to kill this week. You, you know, um, just pick two guys. There's Luke Harper and EC3. Go out there and have a 10-minute match show me what you can do if you think you're so good
1: and if it sucks it sucks
0: but if it's good
1: okay Yeah, you know what if they're not speaking out now i think they will be soon because now that there is a viable alternative where they can make a good living i think people are gonna be more likely to speak up and not really fear repercussions
0: yeah another quick question i had because batista gave this interview and he was talking about some of his frustrations they're very similar to things we've heard from other guys he and he's done this in the past, harps on this PG stuff. Like he thinks like WWE going PG has been this huge detriment. Is that overblown in your guy's opinion? Like if the product was good, like can, can you do a good, can can pro wrestling be well, let me phrase the question like this. Can can pro wrestling be successful in 2019 as a quote unquote PG product?
2: I mean, I think it should be able to, it, it, I mean, we, you know, I mean, we saw like it with double or nothing, a little color adds a lot to a match, but that's just one match. You can you're, you're not going to be doing that every week until it just, you're oversaturated with it. Um, but yeah, you know what? There's lots of good PG content out there. So yeah, they should be able to.
1: I'm not looking for a return to the attitude era but I do think you need a little bit of an edge these days especially if, if you bring in like the UFC comparison like I talked about with the kids and yeah, like UFC and, but wrestling could still draw an interest but I do think even just like a little bit of colorful language here and there helps out like get over a little bit of aggression you know to quote Vince ruthless aggression you know if you, if you have a little bit more risque, promos i think that helps out it seems more realistic to people because people swear when they're pissed at each other
0: yeah but no i so i agree i I think like they're being more like hostility the promos. but i also think you know to counter like if you just said okay guys like start swearing now but you didn't change anything else about wwe it wouldn't be good
1: no but i mean being allowed to go there a little bit you know they're, they're pretty regulated well they're literally regulated by what the scripts say but uh I just just a little bit. And and then the color, like, yeah, at AEW, the color in the in the roads match, that did add a lot. And you don't see that from WWE anymore. <laughs> so I'm not looking for like barbed wire and women taking their tops off and stuff, like the attitude oh. era. But I do think a little bit of an edge is a good thing. Um this day and age. Look at the television um products they're complete they're competing with, especially on the streaming networks and HBO and everything. And you do have the you know the PG 13 level.
2: So and isn't isn't that one little thing you could do is actually have the third hour of raw, have it be PG 13, like have that one little tweak.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You should be able to do that.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, it's not like it's some hokey car. I mean, maybe it is, but like, it's not like it's like this total, like children's program. No. the way it's constituted now. I just think, I think there's bigger issues and like people always oh, need to not be PG. Yeah, No, I, I don't I, think that's the biggest issue. I, 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 I agree. I right. agree. There's I agree that there are certain things you should do um, in wrestling that aren't PG that absolutely help, but I don't think it's the biggest issue at all. No, no I, 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 I just want, agree. I wanted to say that I know that wasn't in the notes, but that, that was something that um, came up that I, I noticed.
1: Okay. So tell us about this plan for Ron Smackdown you had, Kyle.
0: All right, I think the time, you know, that Justin kind of alluded to this earlier, that Raw and SmackDown need to be different shows. If you're gonna do a brand split, and the the question, you know, earlier in the notes, I said, do you modify the brand extension or do you do do away with it entirely? I think there's arguments for both. Um, If you're gonna have two shows though, and you want people to watch them both, and you know, now with this deal, two different, obviously that's a goal. I do think you need to have some form of a, have them be brands. And to make them different, how do you do this? Because like if Vince is ultimately in control of both, it's just not going, to. they'll never be that different because it's still filtered in through one person's creative vision. I think the time is now that Triple H, that Hunter needs to be given one of the brands and he needs to run it you know, how he wants to. Now I think a lot of people are going to think it'd be like NXT. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I don't think there's any guarantee that it would be that he would run um, either. If he got raw respect, I, I mean, there are some elements I think he'd bring. I don't think it would be a total, um, a, a total similarity, but I think you need to have different creative teams. Like Justin said, they're absolutely. Um, remember, remember, initially in the brand, but 2002, when Paul Heyman had the book for SmackDown, it was quite good, and they took it away from him <laughs> because, you know, I mean, guys were getting injured, but um there, there were a lot of other reasons why that book was taken away from him. That was unfortunate. Um, But you have to have different creative teams. And, and to me, Hunter seems to have a slight, and if he's that upset about it, again, prove it. Mm-hmm. Prove it, and and as far as divvying up the rosters, look, I almost think Hunter should get raw. I'll tell you why. Um, we we talked about something on this show months ago, and I can't believe I'm going to do this. This will be all different. I think I need to apologize to Dave Shearer. Okay, that's something I never thought I'd say, because he wrote that article. Remember we talked about it. Like Vince hates his roster, and we were all kind of like, yeah, it's a little out of left field. I think it might be true. I think I, th- I think a lot of these guys not getting over as a self-fulfilling prophecy from Vince McMahon. I think he looks at this roster. I don't think he's, I don't think he's impressed with this roster at all.
1: Hmm.
0: I, I think when the three of us sit here and say, oh, this is like the most talented wrestler uh, roster WWE's ever had. I think Vince McMahon would say no way.
1: Vince is back there. like, Give me hillbilly, Jim.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just think <laughs> he looks at this roster and he just sees, a, you know, a lot of guys. And, you know, you always hear Vince doesn't get these guys. And so if that's the case, those guys should not be on Vince McMahon's brand. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. If there's guys that Vince is like, oh, I love this guy. I want this guy on my show. He should be on Vince's show.
1: Yeah. Now this actually flows in really nicely to the next topic because we're talking about stars and WWE not really having the transcendent stars. And we got into this a little bit earlier with the discussion about teenagers um, and not being interested in pro wrestling. But uh, John Cena did an interview recently i'm going to read the quote from him and i'm going to throw it to both of you to see if you agree with him or not so i don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this or not but Mm -hmm. I'm i'm going to read it for our listeners so talking about um whether or not there was going to be someone on the roster that could be the next john cena cena said for the longest time if you consider wwe a band there's been one front person of the band i think that dynamic i think that dynamic is changing It is because the audience is too diverse. I think older males are watching it. Younger kids are watching it. Females are watching it. The audience is so diverse. With a diverse audience, it's tough to universally please someone. And then he got into this idea about how in the 80s, families watched. Hulk Hogan was great for that period. In the 90s, there was more teenagers. And Austin and The Rock were great for that. Um, But now he's saying it's such a global product and and it's a diverse audience. It's different. He said, quote, I don't think there's a universal figure that will lead the company forward. I think as the company grows and especially expands globally, you're going to have like a super friends of the WWE, which is like people who are essentially fighting for equal share of popularity. I think the band essentially will have 10 lead singers of every different race, creed, color, sex and ethnicity. Do you guys agree that uh, the era of having a top star is over and it's because the audience is too diverse? What do you think, Justin?
2: I don't think it's the audience. I think that's how WWE is running things now. I don't know if they really even want a top star. Um, I mean, you can see it in the 50 50 booking. They've, they've kind of tried to do it with Roman Reigns, but I mean, you look a lot at a lot of the past superstars. I mean, You can make an argument. Hulk Hogan was kind of manufactured by Vince. Uh, But then you have guys like, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, who, you know, I attached myself to them early on and it was because they had a little bit, something special. They were a little bit different from everybody else. And they just kind of became stars organically Steve Austin. He's somebody that I think anybody who watched wrestling could kind of see something special in him, Even when he was stunning, Steve, it took some time, but eventually his stardom just kind of, it popped out. I mean, cause it was there. Uh, same with the rock. Um, in John Cena might've been the last one, but all those people had a little bit of freedom to let their inner stars out in their own way. And, uh, I just don't think WWE allows for, uh, that kind of thing to happen anymore.
1: What do you think, Kyle? Too diverse for a, a top star again. I hated Cena's rationale.
0: In that article, it just read like WWE corporate speak. It it was like, excuse me. It was, I actually agree with the premise, but I hated everything he said to back it up, the premise up. Because it just seemed like excuses for there not being any stars. Like, Mm -hmm. because if what Cena was saying was true, there would be stars right now. There would, you know, there would be four or five stars. There's
1: not. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Who are, who, who are the super friends of the WWE right now?
1: <laughs> Seriously, oh, man. I guess you got Mr. Canada, uh, Kevin yeah. Owens. Right? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't like, know. Like, you I, got uh, Kofi Kingston. You got AJ Styles from the Deep he, South. Yeah, he is correct in the sense that
0: a diverse audience does make it difficult for like one person to be universally loved. At the level of a Hogan in Austin, a Rock, even himself. Although John Cena obviously was, you know, not universally loved. Um, and I, I think, I think the fact that he persevered through that and became and was such a star and such a mover for them, that was a curse. I think on the current product, because WWE looked at it, oh well, this is the same thing with Roman oh, he's going to still be a big star. And I think they've done a shitty job of booking Roman, but I don't think Roman Reigns is, gonna, is John Cena. I just don't. There's something that he lacks compared to John Cena that has hurt
1: him in that category. So my biggest problem was the diversity argument. Do you guys really feel that the audience today is more diverse than it was in those other eras? Because what we talked about earlier with them skipping a generation, I think you make the argument it's less diverse there's a whole generation of kids that just are not interested in pro wrestling. Now the, with women watching, I, I do think like total divas kind of open the door for some women to watch the show. But if you, if you watch in the attitude era, like hell, look at the DX segments, <laughs> you know, look at uh, WCW. When they did the search for the nitro girls and, stuff, and the nitro parties and stuff. I think women, Justin, you've talked about one of your early girlfriends, the whole family watching nitro. Um, I think, other periods in, in wrestling history when wrestling was really hot. You had both genders watching the show. Uh, I don't I, I don't think that it's any more diverse now than it was in the 80s. Look at uh watch the Coliseum video on WrestleMania three, and you can see a bunch of young guys tailgating in the silver Silverdome's parking lot before the show, but then you had a lot of old people in the crowd too. It was God, only a lo- diverse audience. <laughs> By the
0: way, I love that fucking segment.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Like they, I don't, okay. I don't get this. There was there was always a diverse audience. Okay, this diversity.
0: Here's I, I don't like the, again. I don't like the way he explained it at all because he. I think he's kind of raw.
1: I think the way what, it's, it's explained is wrong because I think it's actually a pretty homogeneous audience right now where it's it's uh what thirty to forty year old men are kind of the core audience and they don't okay. have the other generations like oh. they used to. Okay, the the diversity is like this. There's basically
0: two fan bases. It's not like, I don't look, in terms of diversity, I don't look at it in terms of race, gender, whatever. I look, there is just one clear dividing line in the WWE audience today. Hardcore wrestling fan, non-hardcore wrestling fan.
1: And the the non-hardcore audience has shrunk drastically, like we've talked about in the past, yeah.
0: And the issue is, okay, you do, when you're hot, you have a large non-hardcore, you know, the hardcores are always going to be there. And the WWE has a problem right now, And, and we've seen it, because, you know, with these live shows, and I do sometimes, sometimes feel for them in this regard, in that they... They have this eye. All right. Well, we want to book in a way to reach this casual audience. And the problem is, you have to deal with an audience that right now is way more The you know, the there's never been a time in wrestling history where the hardcore audience was more than 50% of your viewing audience. And it clearly is now. I don't yeah. know what the numbers, but it's way more. So you're, you kind of, it's very hard to come up with someone who your hardcore audience is rejecting. So to me, I just think you can't do it. Like if you hardcore, like you've got to just read the, you know, I hate this expression. You got to read the tea leaves. If your hardcore audience is going to reject somebody, you can't fucking go with them because it's just going to look bad. Yeah. Um. And Steve Austin, people forget Steve Austin. Okay was loved by the hardcore. It grew. You know, that grew. It was not like, oh, you know, we're going to come up with this guy and he's really going to appeal to the people that aren't watching wrestling. Steve Austin really appealed to people that were watching wrestling at the time. There was a massive growth from 1997 to 1998. Massive. You could argue, yeah, you liked the TV better in 97, but way, way, way more people were watching in 1998. Mm -hmm. And that's because Steve Austin was like this, Force. He was like really. Everyone's like, this guy is awesome. He was getting. Unif- he was universally cheered. So that made it. People were like, oh, this guy's like really awesome. And then they did the angle with Tyson that crossed him over, and you know the the sky turned blue and the sunshine forever. So yeah. I, I do think like with this diversity thing, it's like yeah, you know, from their perspective, well, you know, we want to put people for this casual audience too, but the hardcore shit on everything. Well. I don't know, man. That's what you got. And by the way, they've opened themselves up to that criticism. Say what you will. When you do stuff like Money in the Bank, two thousand eleven, you're inviting that criticism on your program. You're basically acknowledging, you know, your um, detachment from a portion of your audience, right? Yeah. So you're, you're inviting that. So you don't. Com- you can't have it both ways.
1: No, I agree. Hundred percent. Um, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here and go to a little bit of New Japan and all elite and then close off with Kyle's deep dive of the week. Any closing comments on uh the WWE situation here, guys?
2: No, but I do have a Dominion question for you guys.
0: Okay. Well, I have just one and we can bring it up for next week. It'll be a tease for next week. Um, Because I don't, I can't think of a paper, a pay-per-view in recent times that would be more apropos to talk about this than WWE stomping ground. Our monthly pay-per-view is an outdated concept. We should talk about that next week when discussing that show, because boy, is that show the poster child for the answer? Yes.
1: Yep. I think, I think that would be a great discussion next week. We're going to hit that hard. So if you're listening, tune in next week for that one. Uh, What's your dominion question, Justin?
2: Um, you guys are a little bit more plugged th- plugged in than I am. Uh, I've been hearing different things about the way Dave Meltzer uh, rated the Naito and Ibushi match. Like I saw one place where he wanted to give it five stars but couldn't because of uh, how I don't know violent it was or something. And then somewhere else where he didn't want to rate it at all. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys know anything about that? Yeah, can he's you explain.
0: He he said you could rate this match. I should get the exact
1: quote. I got it right here. He said, honestly, you could give this match anything from negative stars to four and three quarter. Which
0: <laughs> I, which is possibly the largest star rating range I have ever heard in professional <laughs> wrestling history.
1: Yeah. And then he got into the dangers and the apron spot and everything. So Those guys are too talented to be doing that shit, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't actually have a rating at the end of the column like he does for all the other matches um real osprey at dominion man will osprey having a hell of a year another five star match where he uh won the uh junior title from dragon lee in 20 minutes uh that's that's a must watch and then uh jericho i, I saw a lot of criticism of his rating on this one. So, uh, Okada beat Jericho. So, no, we talked about this in the broadcast before. Jericho is an AEW talent, will not have the IWGP heavyweight title, at least right now. But uh, he did he work that himself into another
0: ring. He did work himself in another angle. Tanahashi. So. Yeah. He's,
1: yeah. he, he's going to have a match with Tanahashi, which is kind of a dream match. But uh, Meltzer gave that match four and a quarter. I saw a lot of criticism of Jericho's work in that match. He was kind of, I mean, he showed his age a little bit, he was a little slower um i don't i don't know if yeah it, se- it seemed a little high but uh <laughs> yeah i would say i mean I, he, I, I would i would probably put it more around the the three and a half star range personally but uh yeah. i mean i he showed some you know he, he
0: there were some stuff in the um omega match at double or nothing that wasn't very good there were some botches in that that were real ugly um i I think that's too high. Nobody thinks that's a four and a quarter.
1: No, I, I I, I was stunned when I saw Dave, come on, man. Like
0: even the people who like really, really like Okada matches, like all of them, like just like worship Okada. And I'm not an Okada worshiper. I think, you know, he can be very good, but I think, you know, like anyone else, he's got a four, like any other top guy, he's developed a formula. And I think sometimes that formula can be overrated. Um, Those people, you know, I, I saw a lot of people I respect saying this was the worst Okada singles match they'd seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, and Okada's off the charts, he always has great matches, but uh, this was definitely a step below him, <laughs> no doubt about it. So, we will uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned to New Japan because the G1's on the horizon, like I, I let off the broadcast talking yeah. about. We did get some news at Dominion on the G1, so um, the former Hideo Itami. Kenta, yeah, debuted with New Japan, and uh, he'll be entering the G1. We also found out that Moxley is going to be in the G1, um so that's on the horizon. And it was just announced he's going to be working Omega at Double or, or at, uh, All Out. Yeah, so two matches announced for All Out. We've got uh the Page Jericho match, the Crown, the promotion's first world champion, and then yeah, Omega and Moxley, which they they set up at Double or Nothing. So. You know, I, I disagree.
0: With Meltzer brushing off a fan question on Twitter about, you know, are they, is AEW booking themselves into a corner here with Moxley Omega? Mm -hmm. Somebody's got, somebody's got to lose, right? That this is the promotion of clean finishes, right? Yeah. So one of them's got to lose. And I guess, You can make the art. Well, it's before TV, but you know, Kenny Omega. You know, going back to Dave, Dave's like, Oh, Omega should like never lose if he's gonna be the big star of this promotion. Are you gonna have him go over two? Yes, okay. Well, is that smart? Yes, (laughs) it is. Yes, why?
2: Because you because you build him back up, then he's not a known commodity to a large uh, portion of the audience. Uh, John Moxley is Jericho is. Um, So you have those stars and what you have Omega lose two matches and all of a sudden you can't come back from that. Come on.
1: Uh, I would, I would actually argue that's why Omega would need to win because I feel like if they're trying to draw in some of that general audience, they already buy Moxley as a star. But if Omega loses yet again, I I don't know. I think it, I do think it's the risk to have him lose yet again.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's, I mean, I think, it's not like, oh, if he goes lawan 2, you're right to Justice's point. It's not like he's done. Like, no, oh my god, no, you know, no. Kenny Omega, I mean, is he's been buried, he's done, his career's over. I don't think I think there's some optics though. You know, and and I'd like to hear the from the anti-WWE crowd explain that one away. The optics of having him lose to two former WWE guys. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what these people want? Are they cool with that? If so, whatever. I mean, if it works, it works. Um, And I think there is an argument, well, the weekly TV is not on, so you could just always have Omega get his win back in front of a potentially larger audience against those two.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It'll be interesting to see how they book that. And there's ways to do it where Moxley would still look strong. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, you do have two guys who are going to be getting cheered quite loudly, both of them. Uh, heading into that match so um we shall see but the tickets for all out go on sale as we record this thursday night friday morning so uh, as you're listening to this you uh may have already got tickets if so congratulations if not it's it's definitely gonna be a hard ticket so uh we'll see what happens there but we're expecting a very very quick sellout for that show at the sears john John cena knows something about a hard ticket right hey (laughs) (laughs) we're not talking about that interview (laughs) Not on this broadcast. Uh all right, Kyle. Let's get to your uh oh. your deep dive of the week. Oh, you're not gonna trash your girl Dana Warrior? Well, we're we're already running long. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought we'd cut that out. It's not a huge story. We tweeted about it. Check oh. our Twitter page at Top Rope Nation. But uh it was a big, story, been,
0: it was a big story on Twitter and it was up.
1: Uh, pretty- Dana Warrior in the Ultimate Warrior face paint for Pride Month. The optics of that are terrible. Everybody knows the Ultimate Warrior had a terrible, terrible track record as it relates to human rights and the gay community. So, I mean, for her to stand up for the community is great. And, you know, maybe she does believe that. But to put on the warrior face paint and do it, that's pretty tone deaf. Leave the face paint off. My God, Dana.
0: (laughs) Those quotes were real bad. We're, they, you, there are some good go, replies. I'm not going to repeat all I mean, oh boy. There are some very
1: uh, good replies to her tweet. But uh, yeah, let's get to this deep dive. Kyle Ross, it's time for the I Love the Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take it away.
0: Okay. You know what I was thinking about the other day?
1: Uh, a lot of things. Yes. Some of which I probably cannot repeat yeah. aloud.
0: Okay. In some regards, now some people are going to jump on what as soon as they, they hear this. What? What, are you, what are you, an idiot? In some regards, I was thinking, do you know what modern WWE reminds me of? 1993 WCW. What? How can that be? 1993 WCW lost so much money. What are you an idiot? Hold on here. I'm talking about creatively. Obviously, we know you know when people make compare. You know, people always lose their mind with like Melts or Alvarez make the WCW comparisons with modern WWE because modern WWE has all these built-in guaranteed revenue streams. We get. It. Look on the creative side. Okay. Nobody at the time, and certainly in the years that f- most of the years that followed, and probably even today, would argue that 1993 WCW was a good year. Okay. But you know where it's kind of where it does kind of remind me of WWE? It's that in that you had a pretty talented roster. Listen to these names Vader on top, Ric Flair returns, Sting, Davy Boy Smith comes in. Cactus Jack breaks out as a single star, Hollywood blondes. I mean, my God, I mean, Rick Rude, Dustin Rhodes, Mm -hmm. you know, the last uh, gasp of Barry Windham, who we'll get to in a moment. Too Cold Scorpio could have been, could have been something. We'll get to him in a moment. But like, my point is you had a lot of great individual performances in 1993. A lot of talented people. The booking stunk. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) So, you know when the way wrestling is now with with every so much footage available, you can just go back and you can watch things in a vacuum. Like with ninety three WCW, there's stuff you can go back because I was watching an Arn Anderson, uh, Steve Regal match, uh, Lord Steven Regal match, not too long ago. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Like two two all pros, but it doesn't change the fact that 93 WCW is not a successful promotion. And, you know, the WWE, there's a lot of great individual performances. A lot of talented people. The booking stinks. <laughs> so I wanted to think of a match from 93 WCW to share this week. And Justin, a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe even a month ago, was asking about a good Barry Windham match to watch and I think I referenced this in our text thread, and it's going to be our match of the week this week. Uh, Him and Too Cold Scorpio, Clash 23, can be found on the award-winning WWE Network. This is in many ways um, reminiscent of a modern WWE match in that you have the up-and-comer Scorpio against the veteran Wyndham. Spoiler alert, the up-and-comer loses. But the only comparison I can make to this Would be like Shawn Michaels, Shelton Benjamin from Raw that match, in the sense that, um, that the up and comer looked really good in defeat. So, you know, that's another thing, too. We always, and, and again, here's the comparison of modern WWE. He, he went nowhere. Scorpio went nowhere after this match. Absolutely. He, he had a tag team with Marcus Bagwell, and Marcus Bagwell danced very bad, but that's about it. Um, So that's my deep dive of the week. Barry Windham, two cold Scorpio, clash 23. Great fucking match. Um, One of Barry's last great matches. I
1: like it. Before he tore his knee and uh, was never the same again. Nice. Well, I'll be checking it out probably tonight as I edit this uh, program. And after the NBA finals are over,
0: looks like we got a close game here. I'm checking the fourth quarter.
1: But uh always like those deep dives from Kyle. It gives you something to check out on the WWE network. You can tweet us your reactions to the match at Top Rope Nation or send us an email, Rope Nation at gmail.com. Always love hearing from you guys. So uh, with that said, I think it's gonna be a pretty tight episode. I think we're gonna Take things home and uh, prepare for previewing stomping grounds next week, which should be a hell of a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, we are, we're we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue this discussion on what is wrong with WWE and, and try to solve that uh, because you know what? Somebody has to do it. So we'll take aim at it here on Top Rope Nation. Guys, always a pleasure. Justin, have a good evening, my friend.
2: You too. Go Canada.
1: Yes. Kyle, thanks for the deep dive as always. Appreciate that. Check these guys out at TRP Kyle and at Justin Joint. I am at historical Ryan and I'm sending
0: sending the podcast page a great tweet right now.
1: Nice. All right. Check us out there at at top rope nation on Twitter. We're also on Instagram um, at top rope nation there and also Facebook as well. Just search top rope nation in the search bar. And uh, like I said at the beginning, hit up Patreon before June 30th, join our $5 tier, try it out for a month, You get a free t-shirt out of the deal. We'd love to have your support and we'd love to read your name on the air like I am about to do. So thanks goes out to our producers of the show, Derek Chappell, Kyle Ryan, Tim Jensen, Forrest Pierce, Sean Skelton, and the latest one, Gabe C., very much appreciate your support we will be back next week with uh, top rope nation episode 103 and then after that the following weekend with a patreon exclusive edition of top rope nation extra where we review wwe stomping grounds and we'll probably follow that up with another edition of top rope nation classics so with that said i'm ryan Drosty for justin joints and kyle ross enjoy your weekend and enjoy professional wrestling wherever you are peace